It is a look at our kinsman redeemer. Last time we were together, we turned our attention towards Ruth chapter 3 and a look at this quote-unquote kinsman redeemer and just who he is and what he represents. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Chris Gordon again will return us to Ruth chapter 3 today as we take another look at this kinsman redeemer. As we begin our time together, though, we do so with a challenging portion of Scripture. Naomi tells Ruth that in light of finding out about this kinsman redeemer, let's approach him a certain way. How do you preach that? What does this exactly mean? And how do we interpret it? These are questions we begin today's program with, at least the answers to. Join us. Here's Pastor Chris Gordon, this edition of Abounding Grace. If you're a pastor, how would you preach this? Here's my problem. Here's my problem. Here's why I made the choice. There's so much history behind this. That's how you interpret it. Here's something that'll rattle your minds a little bit when you think about this threshing floor scene. You remember who this is? This is a Moabitess. How did the Moabites come about? Come, let's make our father drink wine and we will lie with him that we may preserve the offspring. So they made their father drink wine that night. And that was Ruth's people. The plan originated. Moabites came this way. And then to suggest, which is another provocative thought, to send a Moabite woman down to the threshing floor has a lot of bad history to it, doesn't it? You may agree with the, disagree with the interpretation, but it certainly was not prudent to send a Moabitess there. For the biggest problem of Israel in history was that the Moabite women seduced them into sexual immorality. And Israel began, and I quote, to commit sexual immorality with the daughters of Moab. Don't make yourself done, uh, known until he's done drinking. And then go lay at his feet and see how his response. Or, who can forget Tamar? I need a kinsman redeemer, which is interesting. The brothers failed. Onan failed. He wouldn't take me. She puts on garments, hides as a prostitute, poses as a prostitute, and righteous Judah takes her and has a son. Oh, you know the story. It's all been told you all throughout the Bible. Elimelech and Naomi don't have a good track record. They had taken matters into their own hands with God's chastisement on Israel, left Moab for Moab. Their sons marry foreign women. Chastisement comes. And so now here we are. God's favor begins to be shown. And she tries to control obtaining the promise her way. We already have this long history. Who can forget Sarai to Abram? Hey, go into my servant Hagar and get the seed. This is, there's so much history to this, and it's leaving us on the edge of our seats. You see, I think it captures the book so beautifully of the great question of, it's not just God went after Israel in chastisement when he showed his covenant love and fidelity and kindness and goodness. They failed to trust him. 
You don't have to run to Moab. You can be the other prodigal in the house who never left but doesn't trust the father. How many times do parents make all kinds of poor choices with regard to their children for just hope? How many times are people willing to compromise all that they know to be right for just some light when they know the truth and won't speak it? All objectivity of the truth and of righteousness goes out the door. Apply it. Apply it through and through to our lives. And in their own wisdom, we will find rest for ourselves from this pain. We will get rest ourselves. Whatever the case, what I want you to see here is whatever happened there, there is a big contrast of a righteous outcome. And I don't think you can miss that. (laughs) Here the story begins to build, the suspense of it. So, so what happens? Uh, Naomi dresses up, and after Boaz had eaten and was well drunk and his heart was cheerful, she lay down, verse 6, beside him at the end of the heap of grain. She came softly, we read in verse 7, and uncovered his feet. Verse 8. And at midnight, the man was startled and turned over. Behold, a woman lay at his feet. Notice the emphasis there. Who are you? Now, that's going to be the great question of this text today. (laughs) Who are you? That's not just asked once in this text. I'll show you in a minute. Notice how how she went to do what Naomi said to do, but she would not do and fulfill everything Naomi suggested. When Naomi said, uncover his feet and wait, see what he tells you, she could not. Notice this. Instead of offering herself sexually to him, she does something bold. Amazing. Take your maidservant under your wing. Or better, spread the corner of your garment over your maidservant, for you are a redeemer. Ruth makes her intentions really clear. (laughs) She's come to Boaz desiring for him to take her as his bride. That was symbolized. There's custom here that we have to understand. That was symbolized by asking Boaz to cover her with his robe. So, so when a man in the, in, the, in the ancient world like this wanted a wife in Israel, he would do that by symbolically throwing his garment over her. And here she's asking Boaz to do that. She was asking him to be the kinsman redeemer, the nearest of kin to redeem her, to redeem Naomi. It was a radical request. Women didn't really do this at this time. But Ruth was honest. She didn't pursue Naomi's way. But with courage and with boldness approached Boaz and called for redemption. (laughs) Boaz rises up. Look at the response. Verse 10. Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning in that you did not, listen to this, you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich, 
And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous or a worthy woman, a virtuous woman. Wow, that's quite a bit different than Israel's history, isn't it? Boaz uses the same word, kessid, to refer to Ruth here. He speaks of her kessid, her kindness. Ruth is showing loyalty. Ruth is, is showing covenant faithfulness to, to her mother-in-law. And Boaz is taken by a virtuous woman. What a righteous moment. What a righteous moment that just happened in Israel. I asked, uh, I asked Darcy as we went through this the other day, and we're going through this book, and we read it at home. And I said to, to Darcy, what do, you, what do you like about this story? She goes, I don't just like this story. Women like this story. And I said, Why? Because Boaz's attraction for her is that she was a virtuous woman. That's why women like this story. Yeah, I guess women have been viewed as sex objects for too long. I guess that's true. Especially in our culture. That to get anywhere, it is assumed... Notice this. This, this, is, this is just in us. Women to get anywhere have to sleep to the top. That this kind of response in the face of temptation is so beautiful, it just stands out in Scripture to us. In a situation that was set up for moral failure, no sex took place. I suppose it's right to say to all the young women here, don't give your dignity away to some man who doesn't care about you. Don't do it. To get him any way you can to think he'll love you, don't do it. He won't. To find acceptance to think that that's your way, to find true identity, he doesn't care. To start a relationship that doesn't produce true love before marriage, what a waste of your life. You want a man who will love you for your godly character and beauty. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. What does Boaz say? I'll cover you. I'll cover you. Suppose this is a moment to say to the men, look at this righteous man. Don't, don't disrespect another man's daughter. Don't do that. Deep within her was what Naomi recognized. This woman is full of covenant faithfulness. Verse 12. Now it's true that I'm a close relative. However, there's a relative closer than I. Boaz says, stay here this night and I will go to him on the morning and find out if he will redeem you. If he will not, verse 13, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until the morning. Go back to sleep. 
Another inter, uh, inter, redeemer is introduced here in chapter 4. We'll meet him. That, that's set up for next time. I'm not going into that today. But I, we're sort of left in suspense here. Will this redeemer take away Boaz from Ruth? Who, who is this? Who will be the redeemer? And that's where we are. That's what's teasing us in this text. So, so as, as we move on from this, Boaz measures 60 fafts of grain and fills her garment. 60 fafts, over 80 pounds of, uh, she has taken home. The first time was equivalent to a, working a half a year. She, he is just loading this woman up with, with abundance and provision and care to care for her mother-in-law. So now this gets really beautiful. In verse 16, she comes to Naomi. Is that you, my daughter? I want you to look at that. How did you fare, my daughter? That's the worst translation of the ESV. It's the same question Boaz asked when he woke up in the middle of the night and saw her at the feet. Same construction, same question. Who are you? Yeah, that's the question. Who is this? I think Israel was supposed to read that for generations and ask that question. Who is this? Or who should she be? Listen to it. Listen to it with spiritual mind for a minute in light of Israel's history. You, you didn't choose the other men. Instead, you've come to me. <laughs> You're a virtuous woman. You came to my field. And you asked for me to be your redeemer. Israel, do you hear that? That's the effect. You left your home. You left your gods. You left your land, your people, and you came to me. And in loyalty, covenant faithfulness to help your mother-in-law, you lost everything coming to me. I will reward you. I'm so thankful I have an astute congregation and somebody wrote me last week and said, you know, pastor, that sounds just like this verse. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Yep. That's it. Loyalty. Covenant fidelity. But Israel's been playing the harlot with all the other gods. <laughs> living and doing what's right in their own eyes, never trusting the Lord, never speaking the truth, giving their children away to the other gods. My people inquire of a piece of wood, Hosea 4, and their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray, and they've left their God to play the whore. Whoa. That's what we do every time we don't trust the Lord. And live by the truth of the gospel. And refuse to tell our children the truth. Play the whore. 
Listen carefully to Ezekiel 16 this morning. When I pass by you again, this is the Lord, and I saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. And I spread, now listen, the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made a vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord, and you became mine. Ezekiel 16, 8. What does Boaz represent? <laughs> I will greatly, Isaiah 61, rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he's clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. In Naomi, we saw Israel a wandering, bitter sheep, bitter against the Lord, self-absorbed in pity over her sin and misery, leaving the fields of the Lord to trust in everything else to other gods, representing the whole nation of Israel in idolatry, and today trying to force the rest herself. And here's your faithful covenant, God. Rising and raising up a Redeemer, to clothe you because he loves you. And he will do that for his bride. He will take away all her shame and call her a pure virgin. Did you know that? This is the marvel of the Christian gospel, beloved. Come now. Let's reason together, my bride. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. You don't have to wear the wedding dress in a lie anymore. You can put on white with confidence. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be like wool. That's what I'll do. I'll cleanse my bride of all her sin. I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him, said Paul. He will clothe your shame. He will clothe your defilement and present his church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. See, this is the true love story behind the scenes, beloved. We love it because we, we think it's just a love story of a sweet love story of a, a, a man and a woman. It's a real love story of God and his people. It's about God reclaiming in Jesus Christ our true Redeemer, a bride to himself, who will have a heart of flesh to him, a true Israel to him. See, this is the shock of the whole story. Ruth represents the true Israel of God. Always intended to be. A gracious landowner, ready to redeem, willing to redeem. And a woman who comes to his field and comes to him and says, give me life. Save me. Rescue me. Redeem me. I think in this, we see a call of what the true bride of Jesus should be. Should we not love his field? Should we not love our Redeemer? Should we not respond to a God who's been so gracious to us like this and love him?
with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? See, Proverbs 31 is not just about, we like to say Proverbs 31 is about some virtuous woman over there who's done a lot of good things, and that's true. Proverbs 31 is meant to capture the virtuous Israel of God who responds to his covenant faithfulness in belief and in trust and doesn't look elsewhere. That's a virtuous woman. You know, life is hard, beloved. Life is really hard. It doesn't seem to get any easier. And all the way, you're going to be tested as to what's right. And you're going to be tested on this little fundamental point of all of Scripture. Will you trust the word of the Lord or not? Will you lead your children in the word of the Lord or will you compromise? Will you make his field your happiness? He calls you to himself, offering forgiveness and mercy and grace and help in time of need. Think of the psalm we, we sung out. Hope in the Lord, you waiting saints, and he will well provide. He's going to provide for you. He's going to care for you. Seek him. Come to his feet. The feet of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess he is Lord. Be patient in his ways. The Lord is the giver of rest. <laughs> the Lord is the giver of rest. Isn't that what Naomi wanted? We have rest in our kinsman redeemer. We have rest in Jesus. So let's trust him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful story. What a beautiful story. We offer you our sincere praise and thanksgiving. We know what we are like, an unholy bride. We know that we have sought satisfaction and fulfilled lust and desire everywhere else instead of coming to the field of the Lord and trusting you. May this message affect everyone here in a way that it should. May our young adults think a lot about the beauties that are here represented. May our young women aspire and love what is set so beautifully before us. May our men look a lot like Boaz, but most of all, may the church of our day respond to the covenant mercy and faithfulness of the Lord with this kind of trust. Forgive us, Lord, that we turn everywhere else. Thank you for spreading your garment over us, washing us and making our sins as white as snow. We give you our praise today for the true redeemer in this story, who is Jesus. In his wonderful and gracious name we pray, amen. And this is Abounding Grace Radio with Pastor Chris Gordon. Closing out today's program, we invite you to contact us. Maybe you have a question, comment about the program. Maybe you'd like to listen to the broadcast again. Any reason at all, we'd love to hear from you, even if it's just a quick praise report saying thanks for the program. That means a great deal to us. You reach out to us at agradio.org or call 888-504-8805. Now, bear in mind, as you visit us online, again, agradio.org, That'll also provide a great jumping-off point to the other platforms that we're available on. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, 
Again, you can jump off to any of those platforms through our website, agradio.org. If you do have a question you would like Pastor Chris to address here on the program, we would invite you to use your voice memo app on your smartphone. Record your question, your name, and where you're calling from, and then email it to us, questions at agradio.org. If we use your question on the air, we'll email you back and let you know when the program airs, so you'll be able to listen to Pastor Chris's answer again right here on Abounding Grace Radio. And then finally, as we conclude our time today, a quick reminder that this radio broadcast airs on this station you're listening to because friends of the ministry come alongside of us prayerfully and financially. There is a financial cost to making sure that these programs continue to air here on this station. And if you would like to link arms and partner with us, become a part of this family, we would love to hear from you. Again, reach out to us at agradio.org. Or simply call 888-504-8805. Well, we look forward to seeing you next time we get together. Until then, God bless. Abounding Grace is brought to you on this radio station by Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. Hi, this is Chris Gordon, pastor of the Escondido United Reformed Church. I'd like to invite you to our Sunday worship services at 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. We have two worship services, 9.30 a.m. and 5 o'clock p.m. We preach Christ and Him crucified with the goal that you would live in the joy of this comfort and the knowledge of the forgiveness of all of your sins. 1864 North Broadway is the address here in Escondido. We'd love to see you this Sunday.